I'm Matt Booker. I'm Dave Laird. I'm Derek Schrader. I'm Taylor Cunningham. I'm Atticus Dennis. I'm Josh Roiland. And I'm Emily McNair, and we're broadcasting live from the Great Concavity. I'm Alex Abrahams, and I think you mean the Great Convexity. I <laughs> love it. She's right. She's right. I agree, Alex. Thank you. Well, welcome everybody to episode 14 of The Great Concavity. This is a very exciting episode for us because, as you can tell, we have a a multitude of guests this time. Um, So thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. Josh Roiland, you are a friend of Matt's and myself. Uh, I met you at the conference last year and we hung out. Uh, hung out a lot in the bar, especially on the last night, and you had your s- special sauce under the table. Yep, that was. <laughs> we yeah we we brought we brought a bunch of booze down from the hotel room and drank it in the hotel bar and uh, saved a lot of saved a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, we saved a lot of money. like we like we also bought drinks there too, so it wasn't like a total totally shysty operation. We bought we bought one drink, one yeah one a drink, <laughs> and then and just you know you know nursed it uh, under the table all night long. Totally. But th- this is the first time we've actually had guests on live from the concavity. So Dave is in Canada, but on the wrong side of Canada. Right. So really, we haven't we haven't actually spoken to someone who might know a feral hamster or uh, a giant infant. Yeah, Japanese lobster. Like but <clears throat> but uh, you know what Dave was hinting at the reason why we're having you guys on is that you are. Special students in a way, not like special, but special. <laughs> Exceptional. In a way that is, I really think that in the history of university studies in the United States, there has never been a class like the one that you have taken or are still taken, about to finish. Mm-hmm. And that's why we want to have you on. There's been other classes about uh, Infinite Jest or David Foster Wallace, but not one that has been so thorough and devoted and uh, as completest as yours. So we kind of wanted you to have you on as like yeah, a test yeah. study. Like you're kind of kind of. I think another, another I mean, you could ask, you could ask everybody else, but another word would be insane in terms of uh, <laughs> the, the amount that that's on the syllabus. But yeah. Okay. So Josh, you are, you're, you guys are at the university of Maine. Josh, you are, uh, you have a master's, you have a doctorate. Uh, your ma- major interest in Wallace is kind of journalistic. Would you say that's kind of your angle? Yeah, it has been for the most part. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, my, the interest is, is always been in journalism. I started writing about the journalism just as, you know, after his death, mm-hmm. uh, as a sort of way to sort of like process the death and all that kind of stuff. And then I, I realized, Oh wait, there's a whole like, you know, scholarly possibility here to keep, um, uh, to you know, right. to kind of mine that field, yeah. and and it's also like nobody else really does it. Ryan does it. Ryan Marnane at at Salvi Regina, um, but there's not a lot of other people, and so it's so like in academia, that's what they tell you is like find something that other people haven't done and do that. Right. And so um, so it's been a kind of it's been a nice place to um, to do some research, and uh, and 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 now it's been fun to kind of take that into the classroom too. Yeah, that's awesome. And you have a few publications on Wallace that we've seen in book form. Uh, Lee Constantino's book, for example. Yep, there's that. Uh, there was um, so, so that that appeared in uh, Literary Journalism Studies, a journal first, and then and then mm-hmm. uh, through kind of a, a weird rando story, uh, ended up in Sam and Lee's book. I I sent him an email at like one in the morning after a handful of beers, and I saw a post on uh, <laughs> on uh, the Howling Fantods. Nick had posted that Lee and Lee and Sam were doing this book. 
so I wrote and said, hey, do you want to include my, <laughs> my essay? And they said, <laughs> they said, well, let's see. And they yeah. wrote back and said, sure. And so that was cool. Yeah, and then there's a couple other ones, a couple in, a couple in um, you know, peer-reviewed and a couple popular ones as well yeah. uh, that, are not, that aren't you know, peer-reviewed. Journals, cool. So. Yep. That's great. So we have, we have five students with us. Is that correct? Five yes. students? Uh, and did you have any other students who started out in this class and dropped out? No, I wow. think, yeah, everybody, everybody was here from everybody was here from everyone the, hung in. Yeah, I was, I was, I was a little bit worried. Uh, I don't know if you saw Emily had tweeted this earlier today. Um, um, I was a little bit worried about. I sent everybody an email uh, about a week or two before the class started. Oh yeah. Yeah, this is good. I sent the, I sent an email out uh, letting people like kind of saying hi to people. So I've I've had so a class with Emily, uh, Alex, and Taylor before, uh, and this is the first time with Derek and Atticus. Um, yeah. But uh, so I sent an email out to people, and it said. Uh, do you want me to start from the beginning? Yeah. yeah. It says, uh, welcome to your honors 318 tutorial. Consider David Foster Wallace. I'll dispense with the usual beginning of the semester uh, bromides and just say plainly, without irony or hyperbole, this class will change your life. That was the opening paragraph of that email. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like a pretty high high bar has been set there. So a little um, bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So now having come through the class, would you guys say that that was an accurate assessment? I would say yes. And I, I don't know if it was, um, it might, sorry, Josh, it might be more of the, like, the literature and the actual, like, readings that we did, but uh, just being able to, like, gather in a place and get to get to read this stuff for, like, a reason and for a sort of an end game is, was kind of really what it was. Yeah. And for credit, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's awesome. So, so part of the part of the life changing nature of this course was Josh's amazing uh, pedagogical yeah, skills no, and drill. It's, um, it's all the work, <laughs> but then also also the literature. So, uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about what you read in this course, um, Josh? You posted the the syllabus I think on Twitter some months ago, and I read through it, and I was like, my jaw was on the table because I was like, how are they going to read all this stuff? This is insane! Like. Not only did you read Infinite Jest, but you guys read, like, dozens and dozens of other pieces, uh, and then, like, secondary criticism and the biography. So maybe walk us through, like, kind of your the, – the method to the madness of the syllabus, and then let's hear from, from you guys, the students, about what, what stuff stood out sure. to you and stuff like so that. So the idea – I'm just digging for my syllabus now. Uh, if you guys – if one of you guys has the syllabus. Um, the idea was just to just – to, uh, cover as much as possible yeah uh as much as possible within sort of limits yeah uh i think i think i sent a i sent a um a version out matt that i sent a that i include you in the early ver- i was yeah. down in austin actually in the in the archive in january and i sent a i sent a copy to matt and a copy to sam cohen just saying what do you guys think and they were both like you're you're nuts <laughs> um it was important you know it was important that it was important that we that we did Infinite Jest, obviously, and it was important that we did other short stories. Uh, but I really wanted to cover the nonfiction as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question was how to organize it, uh, and so we actually organized it thematically. Um, and then the, and the other big question was how to how to deal and account for the suicide. Uh, do you start with that? Do you end with it? So you know, and go kind of chronologically and sort of end there. Uh, and I just felt, and I, I'd like to hear what, what everybody else thinks uh, from the class. Um, I thought it was best to deal with it right away. So, um, 
so the first the, the the title of the first week is called "Death Is Not the End," mm-hmm. and we read the the Lipsky um, obit, and we read um, several pieces from the memorial service in New York uh, uh, with Wallace's sister and and Franz and then Delillo, mm-hmm. uh, and then the A. O. Scott. Um, best mind of his generation, and then the first fifty pages of the Max obit, or the, the Max uh, bio, mm-hmm. and and just kind of talked about, yeah. talked about like, okay, let's let's deal with this and talk about it, but let's understand that we're not going to be reading the fiction or necessarily the nonfiction as bio, as autobiographical right. and as as so, but so let's just let's talk about it right away. Let's talk about mm-hmm. clinical depression and let's talk about let's get yeah. the bio out of the way so that we can free up some space to talk about. Uh, the literature. I don't know. What do you guys? What did you guys think about about that approach? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I know that uh, in one of the prompts that you guys sent us, you said something about like uh, what what one of the biggest uh, controversies in our class yeah. was, and I think one of them was definitely how to reconcile his death with his writing and uh, mm-hmm. how to figure out like. Yeah, but if he's writing all this crazy stuff about, like, how great life is or, like, how, like, to be conscious and to really separate yourself, how can we reconcile that with the fact that he ended up killing himself? And, uh, you like, I don't know, that was one of the things that we were really trying to not necessarily argue about, but it was con- controversial. Yeah. And there are plenty of, plenty of good arguments uh, presented, but I don't know if we ever, I don't know if it's ever going to be really possible to really come up with a mm-hmm. a, a, a real conclusion to that argument. But anyway, yeah, that's, that, uh in regards to his death and reconciling that, that's what we uh, kind of figured out. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's odd because like to say that his ideas are invalidated by his suicide is like, seems like an ad hominem kind of approach, right? Like rather than just judging the ideas based on their, their own merit. So, I mean, that is an interesting question but that it, comes up. But there's also, bit. I think then the, 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 the issue of like, the Wallace persona and the, the afterlife of Wallace, yeah. and so that was also, I think we wanted to talk about talk about that a little bit as well. I don't know what do the rest of you think about starting it that way, Taylor? What did, were you gonna? Um, yeah, I thought that that was a good approach because it it was a way of being really upfront about the suicide right away instead of I think saving it for last would have been kind of strange actually because <laughs> yeah. because we're all aware of it <laughs> and not talking about it until the end would have been like almost like. Um, kind of hiding something. The lobster or, in the room. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, we'd all be sort of talking around it. And so um, having that out in the open, I think, actually deepened the conversations. So I think it was it was good that, that we did it that way. Good, cool. You know what strikes me as weird is that you would probably not do that for any other writer. <clears throat> like, there's a lot of other writers who committed suicide. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hemingway, Virginia Woolf, Hunter S. Thompson. But I can't imagine, like, starting out a class on and teaching Hemingway by saying, let's talk about his suicide. Like it just, you know, it's so, so much a part of Wallace's current persona that like, we are still so close to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if that's ever going to change. Like, I don't know. It's, it's something, it's the only question I really sent to you guys is like, how do you sort of reconcile those two? Like, you know, is it even possible to separate out the life and the work? Because back in the old days, like that was something that was very much in vogue. It's really not anymore right. that, you know, to say, oh, you can't really separate out this, you know, new criticism. But it used to be, you know, is there any value in just saying, oh, let's not talk about it? It's like, I don't know, because it's hard for me. Like, I can't. I think a lot of the appeal of Wallace is his biography because it has this very clear arc, you know? Sure. Well, sure. And and I think also, you know, a, a part of that 
comes from the subject matter of the of the fiction too. So I mean, suicide is a theme, you know. So um, it's a theme in the fiction. It's prevalent in the nonfiction. It comes up in the commencement address. So um, and the depressed person. I mean, a lot of his stories. Um, you know, in retrospect, I gotta say, like we didn't know at the time. Like it didn't even occur to me that he was a depressive. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds crazy at the time, but like in reading him in the late nineties, like I was just like. Man, this guy really writes well about alcoholism and depression, but, it, but he totally denied it in public. You know, which he's supposed to, but literally, like he didn't talk about it, so people didn't really know the extent of his biography. Yeah, when when we um, constructed the syllabus, and so you know, kind of working our way through that sort of thematically, and so the second week of the semester, uh, the, the theme was called everything and more. Uh, for that week, um, so each of the weeks is named after some sort of element of, of his work, and so um, so that week we talked about consciousness, and so it was you know we we, we looked at the the Kenyan speech, and we looked at the cassette of the lobster and Fetter and Forever Overhead, and the the language essay uh, and the Charlie Rose interview, you know, and the idea of like let's think about consciousness, but then the week after that, uh, it's called the theme was eliminating the map. And and so it was this idea. I wanted to sort of like juxtapose the idea of sort of uh, good consciousness. You know, um, what does what does Wallace say? And uh, he said, "There's there's good consciousness and there's rape by psychic Bedouins, uh, bad consciousness." <laughs> and, <laughs> and so um, so that was kind of the idea of like kind of juxtaposing those two. And 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 so in the eliminating the map week, we we do um, the the depressed person, good old neon suicide as a sort of present. Supposedly fun, and supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. And then Maria's piece uh, inside the David Foster Wall self help library, and then some more of the of the bio. I don't know, Alex and Emily, well, Derek. What do you guys think about sort of moving along that way? Well, I think it was one of the things we did with this class as well. Is we went and sat in a lecture that Josh was giving, uh, and he was kind of presenting some the first or second year honor students and they were kind of given the this weekly assignment to read through as much Wallace as they could and then you know we at the end of this presentation we did a question answer sort of segment and someone asked that question to us and said how can you read this and not how can you read his stories and not think it's about him and kind of the answer that we came came to was you know, having that consciousness and having that awareness of who he was as a person and where he's coming from as an author and kind of the experiences he has to kind of, you know, they say authors write what they know. So you need to be aware of that when you're reading his his stuff. But I think that we all agreed that it'd be doing a disservice if you could just write off his work as biographical. And you have to kind of approach the written the written stuff that he has there as something more than just a recount of his life and his life experiences. So you'd really be doing Wallace a disservice if that's all you kind of consider when you're reading his stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then can I ask you, Alex? Have you had you read any Wallace before, or were you aware of yeah, him before took, this class? I took a literary journalism class with Josh, and so we read. Um, you know, we we read the Federer piece. We read Consider the Lobster. So that had kind of been my only exposure. So going into this, I only knew about his journalism going into this class. But you liked it or you were interested? Yeah, in yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. Um, and what, yeah, can, I, I, can I ask a follow-up question there? What's your, what's yeah. your impression now? Like, do you consider yourself a fan? Do you try to get other people to read it? Or do you consider yourself like, I'm done, I've read too much? <laughs> I think I'm annoying now as a person because... <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're annoying, Alex. I think I'm Thank annoying. Thank you. Yeah. I, mean um, <laughs> I find that now I'll have conversations. You know, I'm calling my mom back home, and I completely 
you know, reroute the conversation to talk about something I read or, yeah. you know, you should really, you should really look at this story. I think you'd really connect with it, you know, mm-hmm. and then she'll be kind of get offended. Why are you saying, I'd, why do you say I would connect with, uh, you know, a depressed person? I'm like, just right. read it. You'll understand. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I think I'm in, and half of my Twitter feed now is kind of like back and forth conversations about infinite jest jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, um, Alex and Emily and I have a sort of like running, um, uh, back and forth, uh, especially when we're like, as we were kind of coming to the end of, of Infinite Jest, uh, it just was sort of so pervasive. Um, when, when we were, uh, I was, uh, what's the name of the, what's the name of the character at the end of Infinite Jest, the, the drug addict, the Gately's with, um, Gene Fackelman, Faxter. Yeah. So, so, so whenever, so, so whenever Emily would, would tweet something, I'd respond with, uh, that's a goddamn lie. That's a goddamn lie. <laughs> and, um, do you want to throw your Twitter handles out there? You want to throw it out there? Oh yeah, people can follow handle? along in real time. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So um, my Twitter handle is um, besides X space, and my like name is Salacious B Crumb, which is a Star Wars <laughs> reference. So um, it's not my actual name. <laughs> it's Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Return exactly. Jedi. Thank you. Oh sweet, <laughs> Alex. That yours? one went over my head. <laughs> um, yeah, mine is. At X E L A Abrahams, um, it's just Alex backwards. Cause, I was always wondered what the hell. Yeah, because apparently <laughs> Alex Abrahams is a is a popular name which I wasn't aware of until I tried to make a Twitter account. But yeah, so I just did Alex backwards and then Abrahams, and I think my name right now is nine. Yeah, what the hell is that about? It's it's my jersey number, my soccer oh. number. It's not really <laughs> that deep, but um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I just changed my name on Twitter. That's cool. Mine is just cool. mine is just at uh, Josh Royland. Uh, <laughs> Same here. I'm totally uncreative. And and what about Atticus or Derek? Or yeah, Derek and Atticus and Taylor. Are you guys gonna hop on Twitter anytime soon? And no. I, uh, <laughs> social media is not my thing. But it's it's really interesting, sort of like how the, how the Wallace the Wallace world. It's all on. It's Twitter, all on man. Twitter, and it's, it's. I think it's also interesting how small the world is. Yeah, I mean, and that's like I found myself having to. Like, there are a few prominent scholars who are not on Twitter, and I've sort of been like, what's your problem, man? <laughs> like, what, like what, why don't you want to be part of the community, you know? Yeah. Like, I, you know, and that's, I got to restrain myself because I'm like, I, I, I get it. Not everyone is built for Twitter or social media, but it's amazing how much of it has transferred over from real life into, like, this yeah. social world online, whether through our, our listserv or through um, Twitter and Facebook. And I, I sort of I have a post about this coming up on Infinite Winter on Monday, so I don't want to rehash things that probably people are going to read next week. But I, you know, I'm big about this sense of community because I think after you read Infinite Jest, especially, there's an instinctive thing to want to go and talk to someone about it oh, yeah. or ask someone like like I didn't read it in a class like you guys, so I read it and I was just like. Oh my God! I gotta find someone else who'll read this thousand-page book with me. <laughs> Help me try and, and figure really some of this stuff out. <laughs> yeah, it was really hard to find someone who's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do that." Yeah, like, so I mean, finding people online was huge. Yeah. You know? And I think for for us, I mean, I, I don't for me, um, that was kind of when the class really. I mean, there's only there's only six of us total, uh, and we meet in my office. Uh, right. and so, but this is actually the third classroom that we tried out to to try to just um, to, to get comfortable. Well, yeah, to, to try to just get a different sort of you know to, uh, yeah to be comfortable and have a have a good vibe. But I think it was and, and maybe Derek and Taylor and Atticus. I don't know what you think, but um, in terms of 
reading Infinite Jest is, I think, when things really came together in the class. Like coming into, you know, moving into the office and talking about Infinite Jest, and it was like all of a sudden we're like, oh shit, this is now we kind of hit our hit our stride. And that's when we started having the supplemental classes. Uh, and, and all, and all <laughs> yeah, those. tell us about that. Uh, yeah, well, the supplemental classes is just that there's too damn much on the syllabus, and so even though we, so we meet. I, I know I've said this in emails to you guys, but we meet, we meet every Thursday uh, to, for two and a half hours, and they're troopers. They're, we don't take breaks or anything, and oftentimes we go three to three and a half hours. Wow. And um, but even then, we still don't get through the. Um, we still don't get there. It's funny. I teach a grad class later in the evening, and they're always like, "Can we have a longer break? Can we get out early?" <laughs> and I'm like, "You should, you know, you guys are in grad school." That yeah. Anyway, um, and so I'm always kind of telling them that that the, the Wallace class does a lot more work than they do. Um, they're they're also great too. So if any of them listen, uh, they also do a great job. But um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but we we couldn't get enough. We couldn't talk about it in all uh, in in the two and a half to three hours. So then I started proposing mm-hmm. that we just randomly meet on monday afternoons once in a while as a, as a quote supplemental class um <laughs> and that happened once and then it, then it didn't happen for a couple of weeks and then but then during infinite jest it happened about three or four weeks in a row and i'm not sure who was it you alex that said or taylor like you can't call it a supplemental class if we meet if we have it every single week it's not supplemental if it's compulsory so, um, yeah exactly so but um what did what did you guys think in terms of in terms of reading infinite jest and thinking about that in terms of community and maybe kind of moving into the into the into the office, or how did the spa- how did the different spaces um, uh, affect affect the way the class ran? I think for me personally, like coming into the office where there's like a couch and it's kind of more laid back, I felt and a thousand degrees and yeah, oh way hotter gosh. than any other room. Um, I th- I just felt more confident in speaking, I guess, yeah, especially in this classroom. I felt yeah. um, I felt like I could just kind of say whatever I wanted. It was more relaxed for me, so I didn't feel that pressure to, like, come out with the next great idea or whatever. I just kind of was like, I'm just going to ramble and see where it takes me, and that's okay. And so I think that definitely helped me, especially with this book, because there's a lot of things. I think for me, I, I ramble in order to get somewhere when I talk a lot. So um, verbal processor. With this book, it, it helped me. Yeah, it helped me just to, like, verbally yeah. process the whole thing, I guess, and to talk with everyone cool. about it and see everyone's takes on the same scene that we all read. It was really interesting to nice. experience. So the office really allowed you to like let your inner infant out. Is what oh, you're definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My inner hamster. <laughs> was was there anyone who ended up not liking Infinite Jest, or did everyone sort of really get into it, or what? Uh, one person disliked the ending. Uh, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like who real is that? Argument. That's fair. <laughs> Was that Taylor? Yeah. Yes, we're all kind of looking at Taylor right now. It's not that I disliked it. Um, I guess maybe I was just sort of critical of it because it it felt kind of like an infinite jest, really, and that that was irritating to me only because we'd done so much work. (laughs) We read a thousand-page book and all of the end notes, and then there's no ending, really, and you kind of find it in the beginning again, but even then it's still circular, so I guess in in some yeah. ways when you're when you're looking for that reconciliation, it, it can be a little bit irritating at the end of a very very long complicated book. So yeah, yeah. Can I can I ask a follow up question there? What is your take on the graveyard scene? What is your take on what's going on oh, there? Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> That's, 
You don't have to answer it for everyone because like everyone has this question, but I'm just curious if you have like what, what when you first read it or after it, did it make any more sense to you or did you have more questions or, or what? Um, I think I was still just as confused. I, I mean, the only thing that really changed was that it sort of like shifted, like the focus shifted where it wasn't just sort of, um, a scene in the margins, like a passing scene and more became more central uh, is the one thing that I noticed. But I, I think I'd have to read the entire book again to, (laughs) to figure that scene (laughs) out. Welcome to the club. We got a book club for you. You should join. (laughs) I'm sure we'll we'll do it again in 2017. (laughs) Matt. Infinite spring or something. Matt, do you mean like, just like, is it real? Like, is, is the scene, is this, you know, is the graveyard scene real? No, what? No, no, just like what, just summarize it for me. Like, what's happening? Why is John Wayne there? Why is Hal there? Why is Gately there? Why are they digging up to head? Well, it's funny because over the weekend, Emily found uh, that Aaron Schwartz um, um, uh, theory. theory theory and well, yeah. and that that I don't know kind of blew my mind a little bit. I don't know about the rest of you, Atticus. You read you read that one, but you've read a lot of other ones too. So, what do you think of the Aaron Schwartz one? Um, well. Um, what I was talking about with these guys is that uh, reading the different uh, explanations of what happened at the end of the book or the beginning of the book um, necessarily, uh, there's plenty of evidence for plenty of different explanations. And uh, like, for instance, like how Hal ends up like changing and why he seems to have no clue what he's talking about, like whether it was DMZ or like whether the fungus that he ate was like fermenting <laughs> in his system or something since the beginning of the book or or since he was yeah, little. Totally. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. um What's going on in the scene? Um, I had no idea before I read some of the conclusions, but other than that, it just seems like, yeah, they're digging up himself's head to find the master copy. Um, Gately and uh, everybody else is there because they're gonna they're getting pressured by the AFR and they need to get there before the AFR gets there. And I don't know. That's basically what I got out of it. Anyone else? Theories? Emily? Well, you were you were really you were just like on Twitter like holy shit this is something else yeah well and it it's not something that I'm gonna be like this is exactly what happened but it's just like one interpretation or one sort of reasoning which um, I think was the best part about this class was the discussions and reading this like huge just life you know overtaking and life altering novel and being able to hear what everyone thinks of it and how everyone's interpreting it so I mean even now as like. It's actually funny. I I was like procrastinating doing other work by looking up like infinite jest theories, and I do that now. I'm like, I wonder, like, what people think about this. So, and I like get lost in like. I'm the, doing the same yeah. thing right now. I've been doing this like twenty years. <laughs> I get lost in like the infinite summer like forums and stuff. I'm just like pages and pages of reading everyone's ideas, and I don't like oh, I don't awesome. have like a a solidified sort of interpretation or idea of certain scenes in the novel. But it's it's nice to just see and hear what other people think about it and so that's the best part about the community i think is that it's yeah totally (laughs) so going going back to this question i just got a text from my wife yesterday she flew to new york to meet a friend to hang out um she said i literally finished the last page of infinite jest on the plane when we landed and i was like oh that's awesome emoticon emoticon celebratory stuff and she's like yeah and now i have to process the ending and i was like lol like the tide was way out and gately on the freezing sand She's like, yeah, like, is there a chapter missing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, no way, Jose. She's like, I know, but the storylines were converging, and then they just didn't. And so, like, she's just as confused as anyone, you know. But what? How do you? What do you make of this, right? 
Taylor's Taylor's gesturing wildly over here. Oh, what? Well, I didn't have a comment. <laughs> I was just saying, yeah, they, I mean, you're sort of waiting for all of these things to come together because you have to follow, I mean, I don't know how many different narrative threads, and none mm-hmm. of them seem to come together at the end, and except for that graveyard scene. But then you're not really told why they're all standing there with each other. So. <laughs> well, the title of the book, I mean, you can't have uh, infinite jest without the skull, right? And... You know, what, the point that I wanted to make is that you're right in that Wallace had to balance out this sort of being hostile to the reader about saying, you read a thousand page book, now here's his middle <laughs> finger, and you figure it out. And, or, but he, what he ends up doing, I'm saying either, either consciously or not, what he ends up doing is bringing us together to talk about mm. it. And in a way that I think other writers, either modern or postmodern, you know, post Joyce, you know, kind of did and kind of didn't, you know, and that's sort of the successful thing is like, you can't really write a book hoping academia will study it. Right. And I, and that's not your audience. Your audience is this reader who is emotionally invested in the book, but yet that's, I'm saying that's the thing that ended up creating the Wallace community like 20 years ago was people seeking out other people to talk to about like, wow, I'm so invested in this. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. Like the, the idea of a Wallace community, so two things. So we tried to sort of like prep for kind of the, the, the weird, you know, uncertainty or unfinishedness of, of, of or the, you know, the, the, the endless loop of the novel. The week before, the week before we started uh, The Long Thing, which, is, which occupies, what, seven, seven of our weeks, um, um, the, the, the theme for week four is called Greatly Exaggerated. And we talk about Wallace and postmodernism and Wallace's views on on sort of what postmodern literature is and should do. And so, you know, we read mm. the McCaffrey interview. Um, we read E. Unibus Plurum. Uh, we, we read some of the, um, some of his short stories to, as, as sort of primers for kind of having all these odd narratives. Kind of, uh, we do, you know, Little Expressionless Animals, My Appearance, uh, one of the brief interviews. Um, uh, we do some stuff out of the, uh, the conversations with David Foster Wallace. Um, just as a sort of, because Wallace is talking about, you know, like, um, just be, you know, in 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 our in our real you know our daily lives, you know, stories don't always have endings. People come and go. Things are frac, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, as a sort of as mm. a prime, I'm not sure to the degree which. By the time you're in on page 500, I'm not sure you're thinking about the McCaffrey interview or not. But um, <laughs> but in terms of thinking about the the Wallace community and something, I think that Emily said is that none of us like I think we all at different like we didn't we we felt embarrassed to read the book out in public. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> which is which is common. Like I I think especially I mean and, and that gets to a whole other conversation about you know there's there's there was that New York, uh the New York Magazine piece uh, was it last year or a couple of them actually about sort of like you know David Foster Wallace <laughs> as a literary bro and all that kind of stuff uh and mm. uh <laughs> as Matt's giving the the, the camera the, the thing, h yeah. when, whenever the h word comes out in relation to Wallace yeah. you just like oh here we go again you know like the No but that's a good question and maybe it's a question for Derek or Atticus about like, were you aware that, like, now you're, like, a cliche, like, a dude talking about Dave Foster Wallace, and, like, there's this pressure not to be, like, a douchebag about it? <laughs> um, I don't know if there's supposed to be a pressure, but I'm not aware of it, and I'm not really under good, stress, good. so I don't know how Derek's feeling, but I, I here we go. 
No, same. I didn't good. know that was a thing. So I guess it's good that I didn't oh, know that. That's so. awesome. <laughs> that's glorious. No, it's awesome. Keep yourselves pure, it's guys. Awesome, but I, so, well, and it was really not a thing like 20 years ago, but it is, I mean, it is something like, Josh, do you feel it? Like you have to deal with this? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a weird, there's a weird thing of like, um, in academia or on, you know, in the sort of like academic Twitter, you know, it's like, oh, what do you do? And what do you do? I mean, and, and so Wallace is, Wallace has always kind of been a side thing for me, but it's like, oh, I work on David Foster Wallace. And, so, and then there's like a sort of uh, an eye roll that comes with that a little bit, like, like, the, <laughs> like it's not significant or substantial. Like Hugh steeply shows up and he's like, oh, here yeah. we go again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? And so. One of these guys. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there's, there's a weird sort of. It's, I mean, it's not embarrassment or anything like that, but it's like you feel the need to justify what you do in a way that if I, you know, was doing Delillo, Delillo, yeah, it, it, it's not there. Um, but I know Emily and Alex, you guys were talking, like we talked about kind of not wanting to read the book in public. Why did you not want to read the book in public? Well, I think one reason that I didn't want to read it in public is because I found myself constantly having having to justify what I was doing, kind of. And I found sometimes people would kind of come at me and say, oh, you're, ma- you're blowing this out of the water. Like, you're making such a big deal out of this. You need to get over yourself. And I'm like, no, he, he did this, and he did this, and he did this. And he's like, this is connected to this, and this is a thousand pages. And it was just kind of like my competitive side came out almost, and I had to, like, prove them wrong <laughs> that he didn't know what they were talking about. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's funny. So is, are these like people who are kind of like, well, Wallace isn't part of like the liter- the American literary canon yet. Like it's too early to, to fit him in. And so you have to justify it from that perspective or these are, is that sort of what you mean? These are people that don't read a lot of books. <laughs> 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 to be fair, Alex uh, got accosted yesterday walking across campus carrying a bag of chips. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so by birds? No, no, not by birds, but <laughs> by people who don't read books. But, by, <laughs> some some bro uh, saw, saw her with the chips. She was bringing the chips to our last day of Walls class, and and what did they say to you? They're like, you got enough chips there. <laughs> <laughs> she had one bag of chips. <laughs> wow. Em- Were these like corporate snacks or what? Yeah. E- Emily, why didn't you want to read it? Um. Well, this is actually funny because the other day I was uh, looking at like a oh I'm sorry um, a job application for like I don't know it was like a book intern or something I don't know I'm desperate um, anyway so in, on the in like the application it was like t- like send us a you know cover letter and in the cover letter like say the last book that you read and the last book that I read was Infinite Jazz and I was like if I put that they're gonna think that I'm some like pretentious asshole or like first of all, or they're not even gonna believe that I read it and I'm just gonna be like one of those people that it's like yeah I read Infinite Jazz but like bought it and then sat on my shelf for five years or whatever but i don't know i feel like there's just because it's so (laughs) dense it's not a book that people just like pick up for fun and you know so it kind of carries that weight where it's like oh i'm reading this to prove something or you know to make myself into something that i'm not so i guess that was kind of um i don't know the the fear or like the stigma surrounding surrounding the book at least that's what um that's what i thought yeah that's funny did you guys hear the jason siegel comment about when he when he rocked up and bought Infinite Jest at the bookstore to kind of like start preparing for his role in the end of the tour, the the girl at the counter is like, Oh yeah, like every guy I've ever slept with has an unread copy of this on his shelf. Which goes to your point there of like, you know, it's kind of it can be used as this thing to make yourself look intelligent. Yeah. But and that's if you haven't actually put the work in, it's disingenuous. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean that's kind of the the um the argument for the Molly Fisher piece, uh, why literary chauvinists love David Foster Wallace. 
<laughs> which yeah I, uh, irked me a little bit. And then there, but then there was an interesting response on on LitHub by um, Jonathan Russell Clark. Um, but then he said he had a really interesting uh, line in here that I was just reading over today. Uh, a person can then glom onto Wallace's reputation without having to read a word of his writing. Because, let's be real, anyone claiming to love David Foster Wallace who hasn't read Infinite Jest isn't really a literary type, are they? I know, of course... <clears throat> but then he says, I know, of course, that, uh, that then there are uh, those people who prefer Wallace's nonfiction, but those people would be the first to say that this fact... Uh, that, in fact, this has become its own hip assertion. Which I, which I thought was... <laughs> I took personal offense to that... Uh, to that comment. Why, why couldn't he just rebut the literary chauvinism part and leave it at that? Yeah, know? yeah. Well, and it, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, so that was always something, so on top of kind of like doing Wallace studies, like doing Wallace nonfiction studies, always felt like kind of the, the stepchild in the Wallace studies. It was like, well... But, you know, I mean, it's about. widely acknowledged, like, his nonfiction, or, you know, is the, like, the gateway drug to Wallace. Like, if you want to get someone involved in Wallace, like, you know, oh no, they never read them. Supposedly, yeah. What do you give thing. them? Like that's universally it's acknowledged. acknowledged. It's, it's acknowledged, but at least in academia, uh, it's not followed up on. Look at look at the look at the the conference, the Wallace conference. The last, the first, the first two years. The first year, there was two papers presented on nonfiction out of about seventy people. One was me, and one was a former student of mine that had that that had Wallace at Case Western. And then last year, uh, there was me, and the, and then there was Ryan. Right. And I mean, I, f- I feel like some of that is is the nature of academia, right, where you get people doing, you know, there's much more established like American literature departments. And there's people who are going to do Wallace the way that they're going to do a paper on, you know, Richard Powers or, you know, uh, Hemingway or Faulkner. And like they're just covering like, oh, we'll check Wallace off. You know, they're not doing nonfiction at all. Sure. Like it's and a it's smaller Wallace also genre speaks general, to sort of but... the um, marginalization of journalism in English departments. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's true. It's. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not know, established. I mean, I, my, my first two degrees are in English, and yeah, like doing journalistic studies, literary journalism. That's not, a, you know, acknowledged as as significant as doing doing fiction, mm. um, and so. It's probably not required at your current university to graduate with a degree in English. Do you have to take? Uh, Journalism um, or nonfiction? I don't. I don't think so. No. Yeah. No. It's mostly literature classes. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Shakespeare, yeah. Chaucer. Alex is in a Shakespeare class. <laughs> yeah, I just had to perform a puppet show. I had to make sock puppets in my senior year of college, so that was cool. Yeah. yeah. So like Mario. Mario. Yeah. That's great. Um, so I'm getting the sense, maybe like my reading the room correctly, that this this topic's been a bit of a hobby horse for Josh uh, this this term in the course, guys. Have I? What do you guys think? Have I complained too much about or at all about nonfiction being marginalized? I don't think so. No. I needed a larger audience before I could start uh, pissing and moaning about the marginalization, oh, yeah. which is fine for me. I don't right, care if people yeah. don't want to. T- to write about it, I'll keep writing about it. It just makes it easier, for, makes my job easier. Sure does. Yeah, that's good. Um, I guess cool. we were just talking the other day about like how he would always kind of sometimes exaggerate in some of his nonfiction. Um, early nonfiction, right? Especially okay, early nonfiction, I suppose. <laughs> especially about um, like the uh, the fair piece, uh, and mm. we were like like I, what we were trying to figure out was: Have you ever been to an event like the baton? He he talks about like the baton twirling and like how people were like literally getting very injured from batons flying into the audience and it's like like did this really happen like did all this it, it, it just 
I know. Well, well thank you. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, it just seems like a lot of stuff works out way too perfectly for Wallace and his stories and like stuff. So it raises interesting questions about the reliability of the narrative. So like, how can you, I, I, it's kind of difficult almost for me to, I don't want to say like distinguish his fiction from his nonfiction, but you can almost talk about his nonfiction kind of in the same sort of ish way that he talks about his fiction because he still try, kind of tries to make points in his nonfiction that he tries to make in his fiction, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, that's a really good way to put it. I like that. If only somebody had written uh, an elaborate philosophy of uh, Wallace's uh, uh, orientation towards uh, journalism as a fiction writer. Mm, I'll have to Google that. <laughs> so I, I want to go um, around the room another time and just um, ask you guys, you read a ton of stuff. Like, do you have a favorite of the stuff that you would read or that you have read so far? Do you have something that really stuck out to you as like the moment where you're like, yes, this is great this is when the click happened i guess for me i would have to say uh forever overhead was uh my favorite piece that we read i just remember i was like i was sitting up it was really late at night and i was like okay i'm just gonna read this like one last section or like i was just gonna read like the first sentence of it and see what it would be like about and then i couldn't stop reading it until i finished it and i was so intrigued with the amount of description that I was like reading and the amount of imagery that was coming into my head and how many symbols and just everything. Like I thought it was just so overwhelmingly beautiful and I couldn't like, I just really actually couldn't put it down. That was like the first thing that I've ever read that I just couldn't stop reading until I finished it. So that really changed my perception of him. And it was like early on in our class too. So it, it really like made me appreciate him a lot more just by reading that one piece. So I don't know. (laughs) All right, so Taylor, what was your favorite piece? I'm not going to ask you to read it, but did you have a favorite piece in the class? Um, yeah, actually, Forever Overhead was mine as well. So um, I, I guess what caught me in that piece was um, Wallace's emotional sensitivity to sort of scenes around him, um, the way he describes everything in, in, in such detail. And I think was sort of the beginning or sort of the opening for me into sort of Wallace's talking about and exploring empathy. Um, So for me, that piece I also thought uh, was really beautiful, and that was my favorite as well. Awesome. And and Taylor's a a fiction writer, so um, so that should just be uh, noted as well in terms of her her eye for it. So that's saying something. Yeah, cool. Atticus? Um, So I really liked uh, a supposedly fun thing that I'll never do again. Um, And... I can kind of relate to the story because I went on a very not fun week long cruise to believe it or not, Bermuda, um, this past summer. And, um, long story short, I was in a very small cabin with my brother and my, um, overweight grandfather. And it was just really bad. Um, but it was um, not even supposedly fun. There were multiple, oh God. Okay. Um, it wasn't supposedly, well, it was supposed to be fun, but it wasn't. Um, so, and I could just really relate to like the whole, like tourists kind of walking around, uh, uh, getting away from already being away from it all, like all that sort of thing. Like, yeah. um, kind of just imposing themselves on the, on the local, on the, well, on the locals, I guess. And, it just really took away from the whole experience that you're trying to get. And it's like, I don't know, it just really didn't seem natural. It just seemed way too much like consumerism. And I don't, it really, really, I really hated it. So basically Wallace, (laughs) Wallace put my thoughts 
together for me when I read that piece, and it just completely clicked for me there. So I really, really enjoyed that. Awesome. And Atticus is a tennis player, um, but there's some there's something that Atticus wants to say about tennis. <laughs> please, that was like please his goal do. to get onto the onto the podcast. Okay, so um, I don't know if you remember in Infinite Jest, but uh, one time he's talking, uh, or the narrator is talking about Enfield Tennis Academy, and they're talking about how um, you're not a pro tennis player unless you pick up tennis balls with your racket, like you kind of put, place the racket with the ball against your leg and kind of bring it up. Oh yeah. Now I don't consider myself to be bad at tennis, but um, I I bend over to pick up tennis balls. <laughs> So, so when I, uh, when I read that, I felt a little bit pissed off <laughs> and, or like, I, I, I described myself as like a tennis pleb, but, um, yeah, so basically, and then, and then, um, I self-consciously, uh, next time I play tennis, I tried to like pick up a ball with my racket and it really didn't work out. So I'm just going to keep, uh, I'm just going to keep bending over and picking them up, I guess. <laughs> Man, I can totally relate to that. I think about, I think about that passage every time I play tennis, which is semi-regular. And I also tend to wear sunglasses when yeah. I play tennis. And then I recently came across that line uh, on this read where it, where it discourages that. You know, it's like only a certain kind exactly. Of and I'm like sunglasses and I'm like, on the court. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's but it's so practical. Yeah. <laughs> you look like a dork. Though. No, no way, man! I got Ray Bans. I got a headband. It's it's all about fashion out there, you know. All right, so who who are we up to? Emily, did you have a favorite piece in the? Class? Yes, I did. Um, this was my favorite piece. Would definitely have to be "Good Old Neon," and I think a lot of it was just because it really kind of made me stop and think about myself and like who I think I am or who I try to present myself as. And it's the thing about Wallace that's so great, but also terrifying about a lot of his work is just that he makes you think about things that you probably would have never consider or even take the time to worry about. And it's, it's terrifying because a lot of those things are like really existential questions or like, am I a fraud? Like, <laughs> who am I? And, you know, so it's, you can, we talked about the sort of analysis paralysis of thinking like that. And, um, you know, I do every now and then I find myself getting into these sort of like invent spirals of thinking where it's like, you know, what am I, you know, everything I've ever thought has been thought or felt before. So am I really like a unique, authentic individual? But <laughs> um, I've been able to sort of kind of stop myself, which I guess is something that Wallace was never really, um, never really something that he could do. Um, so I don't know, good old, good old Neon was really just something that I could sort of identify with. And um, whether good or bad, I, I definitely think that was my favorite piece. Cool. No, it's one of his best stories for sure. All right, Alex. Alex. Dun, dun, dun. Um, I, I said it earlier, but the thing that kind of brought me to this class was I'm a journalism major, so I've taken took literary journalism, and that was kind of exciting for me because it was it was cool to see that there's journalism that can actually be fun um, and interesting to read, and not just kind of like 500 words of the facts. Uh, so that kind of brought me in here, but I found myself having the, my real life-changing experience that I was warned about when I was reading uh, Good Old Neon or The Depressed Person. It's kind of, they're both kind of at odds with each other, but they both were, it was a terrifying experience for me to read them, I think, because I was like, oh my god, this is me. And um, these pressures that he's kind of bringing up in these stories, I'm putting these pressures on myself. So it was kind of like a therapeutic experience, I think, reading it. I don't want to get us too far off track, but we could do a whole show just on who is the narrator of good old neon and what is going on with the narration in that story? Because I think 
you know, it's one of his most technically complex one, but it's also like one of his most like emotionally raw stories as well. So it's really gratifying to hear uh, two of you say like you really like that story because I think it's one that I come back to a lot because I think it's it's true for you know it struggles in adulthood that people still f- have this feeling of like you know feeling like a fraud and struggling for to be your authentic self. You know that's. That's something where, you know, you hear the term midlife crisis and people in their 40s deal with. So I I think it's a very, still very relevant story. I'm really glad to hear that. Um, Dave, didn't you have a bunch of other questions you wanted to, to get into with these students here? Or? Yeah. So this is kind of like the bonus round, like rapid fire. So uh, we've heard your favorite pieces. How about least favorite piece? It's just sort of in like one or two, three sentences each. What was the what was the piece that was like? Oh my gosh, I hate does, this. Does one. anybody have have one? Uh, oh, Emily's got one right up up hand. Emily, what's your least favorite? This um, well, I actually I grew to like it as we discussed it, but um, it was such just like a terrible experience to read, and that was um, authority and American usage. Oh. And I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, but it's just like it was so much, and how I just like kept flipping in it. <laughs> I was like, this needs to end now. So that was, and that's just because it was, I love the discussion. And as we talked about it more, I was like, yes, this is, it Mm -hmm. makes sense. I understand it now, but just getting through it was like, it was such a chore. slog. Yeah. Yeah. But you came around. That's good. Cool. (laughs) Other folks, things that you didn't care for as much. There's some real hesitations. I think that that's significant. That's a a good sign. Oh no, I failed. I mean, yeah, I didn't have a least favorite piece, but I'm kind of, yeah, um, the usage piece. It was just kind of like we got to class early and we were out in the hall and we were kind of looking around. We're like, did you finish the whole thing? Like <laughs> I had to like rush through it this morning. It was really hard. Um, so it wasn't horrible. I mean, I'm not jumping off the couch right now to say something I didn't like reading, but that was probably the biggest challenge this semester. Right. Hmm. Well, I got to defend it a little bit in that I know I know several people who came to Wallace through that story it appeared in Harper's in 2001 and my friend Mary was one of the editors on that story mm-hmm. and I think that for a certain type of person that you know including all the way up to like Brian Garner himself and Justice Scalia like they were really drawn to these types of you know grammar concerns and nerds and there's a type of reader who's dying to read 50 more pages about dictionaries. And, <laughs> and so um, John, so, John Sullivan, John Jeremiah Sullivan was also an editor on that piece. Yeah. I mean, they, they brought in a huge team. It was one of the few times where a Harper's like every couple of years does a separate insert into the magazine. And the first one of Wallace's was the, the cruise ship essay was like printed on separate paper and tipped into the middle of the magazine and the same with the um, the usage piece. If you look at the drafts, I'm sure you've looked at the drafts of it, yeah. Josh, in the Ransom Center. Like he's just marked to death. I mean, he spent like a year editing that piece. He went through just tons of. Well, it was supposed to be it. in the Atlantic first, wasn't it? I think. Right, and it, it, they they wouldn't yeah. take it after yeah. a while. Yeah. Atticus, do you have something that you were gonna? Um, well, like you just said, there are some people who would love to read like another 50 pages on there. And Wallace says, like right at the beginning. Um, did you even know that the Lexi or that blah, blah, blah has a seamy underbelly? Like it's so right. true. And, and it's the same thing, like in consider the lobster where they would say, um, like everyone knows about lobsters, but it's all about like whether you want to find, I don't know exactly how I put it, but all a matter of what your interests are, all a matter of what your interests are. Exactly. So right. like, and that has yeah. to do a lot with like, especially what Alex was talking about, like these people like that are criticizing her aren't even readers. Like, 
you have to have a certain interest if you're going to enjoy what we're what we've been reading especially and i'm i loved certain parts of authority in american usage i loved where he would talk about um political correctness and how that's really not doing anyone any good and i i that that really really struck me um but of course other parts of authority in american usage i was just like yeah yeah kill me uh uh <laughs> the, the the grammar war prescriptivism versus descript it's like okay more and more and more and i I, yeah. I know but uh, like uh, for wallace for least favorite pieces um it's not that i have a least favorite piece but I think in all of, or in many of his pieces, there are some least favorite parts, I guess, where like where he starts kind of <laughs> yeah. going off on these ramblings and it's like him trying to make a point. It's like, yeah, I get it. But there you go. So, yeah. Did uh, did did the usage piece help you guys appreciate Avril in Candenza yes. a bit more? I, yes, definitely. That, that might be a nice connection <laughs> yeah. point. <laughs> yes, I think it. I mean, there's only there's there's six of us total in the you know in the class, um, but the, and there's this insane amount of reading. And I know Alex said like, oh, you had to rush through, rush through this reading in uh, in the morning, but like everybody did all the reading. Like it's something that you can tell as a yeah. as an instructor, like when you're teaching classes, you know, yeah. you, you know. I mean, especially in a small class, we're all meeting in the damn office, you know. Like it's you're not going to bullshit your way through it. But I mean, that was pretty cool that yeah. that people did all the reading. I mean, that that says a lot about them, mm-hmm. uh, the commitment that they had it to. Does to uh to get the work done so yeah that's amazing taylor Taylor, do you guys have uh, uh job, guys. one stories that are <laughs> maybe not your favorite not, nope. that's tough. I mean, not really they say i guess you guys didn't have to read fate time and language did you <laughs> oh god that would be my least favorite <laughs> that's the that's his senior thesis oh yeah so that's all philosophy yeah it's like, a, philo- like it's a philosophy okay. paper like, yeah it's like analytical it's pretty brutal right? yeah yeah. Um, did we have anyone else who wanted to comment on the the toughest piece, or did we get through everyone? I will say I'll say something real quick uh, that teaching infinite jest is hard. <laughs> Man, I bet. Oh my gosh! Uh, because it's like specifically how <laughs> where to start, what to do. Like yep. I, I think that the first the first class that we had was I, I thought good because we just like i just wrote all this shit on the board like i sometimes i get going i'll just like fill up a board uh i think you guys maybe saw it on instagram but um but then the the two weeks after that i just didn't know what the hell to do because part of it was like we just tried to have to we, we tried to just get a chronology of like okay what is going on but that that's boring you know say oh well then then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and so but i don't think we knew enough yet to kind of do it thematically or anything like that and so um so i really struggled the first the you know maybe week two three and four to to figure out mm-hmm. what the approach was uh but then then something right. clicked where it was like we knew enough of the narrative where we were able to come in and and just jump around, and so um, I'd, I'd be curious if other people have ever have you have you guys ever taught it? No, I, I've only taught um, a few pieces of Wallace to like English eleven students. So, um, like, consider the lobster, the Kenyan speech, uh, the scene, the Norman Bombardini st- nine steak scene from uh, Broom of the System. But uh, I would never <laughs> that would never fly in a high school to teach Infinite Jest or. Maybe like you could do like scene a couple scenes or something, but I can imagine it'd be a, like an absolute beast to try and sure, teach that yeah. book. So, congrats on getting through it, man. Well, they, you know, and, <laughs> and so awesome. so what everybody did was they uh, we uh, one of the assignments, you know, the, the, we didn't really have any assignments, writing assignments this semester. The the 
just because the the reading was so damn much. It was like it was like, well, if you guys can come to class and do the reading, uh, and we'll do this, mm-hmm. we'll do the podcast at the end. But what they are doing is they're I shouldn't say there's no writing because during Infinite Jest they started creating a uh, Google Doc uh, full of all sorts of different stuff, which ended up being eighty pages single spaced. <laughs> Of information, wow. which they're now uh, a lot of it with uh, a lot of it's Derek. Uh, Derek um, uh, chronicled each and every character uh, in the book and is is writing little blurbs about each. But what they're doing is they're and they, and they can tell you more about it. But they're creating a website um, that'll yes. be called um, uh, Consider Infinite Jest. Uh, .wordpress.com. We'll see if we can find the eighteen bucks to get rid of the WordPress uh, in the URL. Um, <laughs> But there, it's it's gonna it's gonna be a kind of a real user friendly website devoted to um, devoted to Infinite Jest. Uh, and I don't. know, You guys want to talk about what's what's on the site? Please. There's a part about Canada. There, yeah, there is a part good. called "What's the Deal with Canada?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, that. I kind of took that one on. Was that yes, Alex? Yes, Alex. Yeah, I took that. that one on. Um, I'm from the Toronto area, so some of the some parts of this book I kind of took personally. Like, what the heck? <laughs> what have we ever done to you? <laughs> I know, right? Like fucking nutsters <laughs> all the time. Just yeah. you're like, are we that? Are we that bad? A bunch of hosers like... just t- running amok. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I kind of focus on that side of things, oh. um, trying not to make it. I'm trying to make it objective, um, not not subjective. Um, but yeah, so I kind of focus on that, and I'm just trying to work through James's filmography, which has been a task because mm. um, I don't really know what to do with it. Yeah. So. It'll be a big reveal when I figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> Emily, what are you, do- what are you add- adding to the site? Uh, well, um, all throughout reading Infinite Jazz, Atticus and I actually did. We were um, settled with doing plot. So our kind of thing right now is, like, are we going to set this up, you know, the way that the book sets it up? Or are we going to try to do, like, a chronological timeline of how the years actually go? Because uh, you do get that little part in mm-hmm. Infinite Jazz where he gives you all the subsidized years. And, of course, the book doesn't yeah. go- isn't linear, so... Um, but I mean, you know, we just did the plot like page by page basically, which was, a you know, a chore, but <laughs> loved it, loved every <laughs> yeah. minute of it. Um, so that's like, that's like our big thing right now is, is, and you know, people have this sort of, um, the like reader's guide to reading infinite Jess where you can read it chronologically. And, uh, that is out right. there. Like people have put a lot of time into doing that. So you know, ours is we're trying to figure out if we want our website to be something you can look at while you're reading or something you come back to after you're done reading it. Cool. Other other additions, Atticus, Taylor, D- Derek? Taylor, you're doing themes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, that's an easy one. <laughs> no, it was terrible. I, I had to, I kept a, so I'm doing themes and motifs, and I, I kept a notebook with, with me when I was reading the book, like everyone else did, though. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just put down page numbers every time a word would come up or an idea that I thought had repeated itself. Um, and mm. it was just pages of page numbers that I had to, I'm still going yeah. back through. And it's, um, it's really interesting, though, to, to see the way that the, the threads kind of where things pop up throughout the book. Um, it, it really helped yeah. me while I was reading it, too, to, go, to what, do that. What, are some of the, what were some of the themes that you... Uh, there are so many. Um, okay, well, there was... Well, violence was a big one. Um, uh, there's identification, yeah. so mirrors. empathy. Mirrors, yeah, mirrors were Waste. in there. Yeah. Hmm? Waste. Waste, yeah, waste, wasting away, um, withdrawal, sentimentalism and irony. That, that's a big mm-hmm. one in there, yeah. yeah. 
So just a few. Cool. It's, Taylor, has that has that affected your fiction writing at all? Because it seems like it's really hard to write that way, <laughs> like write where you're writing like themes and motifs, right? Uh, how is it? How has Wallace affected my fiction writing? Or yeah, I mean, or the themes and motifs in general. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, can you imagine like trying to write in certain motifs or themes, or have you found yourself wanting tell, to or wanting to avoid it? Oh, well, um, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, I was writing my thesis while I was reading Infinite Jest and I was having a hard time kind of separating my own writing style. I felt (laughs) from Wallace's because he's just so, um, it's, it's just hard. It's a full immersion when you're reading Wallace. So, um, you know, I'm going back over some of, um, my thesis is half fiction. So I'm going back over some of the fiction and I was talking to, um, uh, my fiction professor, um, uh, Greg Howard. Who was, uh, a, who was a, and, and so Greg was a student of Wallace's at Illinois State. Oh, okay. Um, and cool. was his dog walker at one point as well. So, um, <laughs> so and, and so it's cool now that he's yeah he's a fiction he's a fiction professor here and he's he's uh, uh, one of Taylor's professors and, and you were talking to Greg about. Oh yeah, well I asked him because he asked me if I had any questions about the workshop and stuff, and I was like, well, my first question is, and I need to know this now. I need the hard truth. Like, do I sound like David Foster Wallace? <laughs> you know, and, and um, and I don't really. But the the great thing about Wallace, I think, is that um, he sort of allowed me to be more of my own self. I think he gives permission to people to to sort of explore that more deeply, and and I think that's what I took away from it mostly. Yeah. Cool. Your approach talking about infinite jest and themes and recurring motifs and stuff it sounds like you and Corey Waldoff would have a great conversation because that's like very much her sort of approach to reading it too. So, so Corey's the uh, the artist who has done all the color tabs uh, throughout all the different. Uh, uh, she's is she on like is Corey on round three or she's four on round now? Three yeah, uh, and, and presumably through. done round three yeah. Three. Um, yeah, and she was the she was our guest on episode four, which in which she talk goes into more detail talking about her approach. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Um, I also want to ask you guys before we wrap up to um, now that you've read all this Wallace, what is the next just novel that you're going to read for fun after doing this course? Are you going to go read something else by Wallace or do you have like totally different plans? Um, I haven't had much time to really think about it yet, but <laughs> uh, I would really like to start reading The Pale King at some point, maybe over the summer or something. Right uh, away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so... And I'd, I'd really like to see how the characters are different or similar from Infinite Jest and just see how he's improved or... So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Cool. I just So I finished Infinite Jest again a few days ago, and I just started rereading The Pale King yesterday because I read it when it first came out, and I haven't gone back to it much since, so I got to refresh on it. But um, maybe we can do, like, a reading group and we can meet up, talk yeah, about it online. Awesome. <laughs> Let's do it. Cool. <laughs> Um, I'm going to, I think, step away from Wallace for a little bit. I picked up Pulp Head a couple weeks ago, so I think I'll be reading some nonfiction and, and not, um, not fiction for a while. Cool. Um, so Wallace has a lot of other essays and stuff that, uh, since I've already bought, like, uh, some of his books, I want to get into some of his other essays that I really seem to enjoy. I, I've enjoyed all of his other stuff, so now I'm thinking, like, hey... I'll go read his other essays and see what I think. Um, otherwise, in terms of like novels, uh, my friend actually he uh, was reading Atlas Shrugged, and uh, I really want to get into that. And I think that'd be a, a really fun thing to, to uh, all the, read. All the big ones, hey? Yeah, exactly. It's not good. Oh come on! But I read it when I was an undergraduate, so it's a rite of passage. I'll put it that way. 
You're just hitting like all the encyclopedic novels. Yes, definitely. Get them definitely. all out of the way. That's good. And well, to, to be perfectly honest, I do want to read Infinite Jest again. I really miss it. I miss Mario. Uh, he was my favorite character. Yeah, me um, too. So I want. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to get back to that, but. You know, I, I picked up recently uh, The Man in the High Castle by Philip K. Dick. Actually, it was given to me as a gift, cool. so I'd like to read that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be picking up anything too serious anytime soon to read. I'm actually going on a little road trip. Um, Is it to the Ransom Center? Yeah, I'm going to be going on a road trip soon <laughs> this road trip? and going across Canada. And then maybe coming back. Well, I am going to be making cool. my... <laughs> I am going to be making my way back across through the states. Oh, nice. So if I do happen to cross through Illinois when the conference is happening, maybe I'll stop. Enjoy the prairies. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to try and drive through there as fast as I can, but uh, I'm going to definitely be looking for maybe some audiobooks or a good podcast to check out while I'm driving across the country. But other than that, I don't really have any big reading plans in the near future. Cool. That's awesome. How about you, Josh? What's what's next? <laughs> I'm on a Donald Hall binge. Uh, I'm on a Donald Hall binge right now, um, the former uh, poet laureate of the United States. Cool. And uh, he's from New Hampshire. And he's uh, I've been really reading. Good. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you like him, Matt. He's. Um, I'm. I'm reading right now his book called "The Best Day, the Worst Day: uh, Life with Jane Kenyon," uh, about his his life with his with his wife Jane Kenyon, the poet Jane Kenyon, who died um, of leukemia when she was 47. Um, I started reading his uh, his book Essays After Eighty, which is um, uh, came out a couple of years ago, and is uh, maybe the most powerful book I've read in the last ten years. And so, uh, working through that and his book Life Work, uh, I thought was really uh, was really meaningful. Uh, talking about sort of what you know what work writing is, um, and so so I have a whole stack of Donald Hall um, that I'm going to try to work through. Hmm. Wow, cool. Um, so we just heard that Mario was uh, a favorite character. Any other favorite characters from the whole span of what you guys read that stood out to you? Yeah, so um, I think that Pemulus is probably my favorite character. He's <laughs> yeah. just, uh, he, he's just a really, really clever guy. He uh, has some, but he has some very meaningful like life advice for some of the students, and uh, especially uh, just he he really speaks to um, certain issues that uh, students are having. Although he's kind of crazy and nutty, at sometimes kind of a goofball. He also really speaks to um, speaks to like the human and just kind of like David Foster Wallace does. Actually, awesome, love Pemulus. Taylor, do you have a do you have a favorite character uh, in the in the novel? Uh, yeah, I mean, I really like Mario as well, but I think um, one of my favorite characters is Joelle, um, just because she's one of the only complex female characters you get in the book, and um, she thinks that she's really compelling with the the metaphor of the the veil, and. Um, and you have a, yeah. and Taylor, you have a, a least favorite character as well, right? I do. I really don't like Oren. Uh, he's kind of a misogynist. Do you love how he ends up though in the like the in the very funny twist of fate, large green glass? Yeah, that's probably my favorite scene. He had it coming. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty. He's pretty low on the morality scale. He's kind of down there with lens almost. Hey, no one's perfect. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I guess for me, I'd have to say uh, that Avril was my favorite character because I thought she was written so interestingly throughout the novel and how you never really see inside of her head. Um, and she's very mysterious, kind of like Joelle, but in like a different way. And I think that she has a really strong power over her children without actually doing anything. And I think that's a really like trippy concept to try to wrap your head around. And I think she's really just a good character for me. So I don't know. 
yeah, like I said, I really love Mario. Um, I so Mario is definitely my favorite character. He's so I don't really identify with him because I'm not like such a sincere, authentic person. I'm a pretty sarcastic kind of individual, but he's such a he's just such a sincere character. Um, just looking throughout the novel, there's so many just like shady, ironic sort of parodic characters, and he's just Mario's just so authentic and so real. Uh, I definitely would have to say my favorite character is Gately. Uh, I kind of start, you know, you start off hating him and then you grow to love him and then you start hating him again and then you love him, at the, you know, towards the end of the book. <laughs> he's just one of those people. Um, but he's, I, the thing I like about him is he's just such a sensational character. You know, he's a murderer. He's a thief. He has the toothbrush and ass tactic. <laughs> um, he, yeah, so he's kind of got all those sensational things that you'd look for in a character. That's accidental manslaughter. I don't know if that's the same as murder, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a Canuck, right? Who cares? Who cares? About that? Well, and he gets charged with uh, with Nuck slaughter uh, later at the uh, near the end of the, right. the end of the novel too. So that's true, but you know, I don't count the Canadians. No. So. Yeah, they're hardly human. I think for me. Um, one of the one of the characters that I found really uh, the most compelling uh, was himself. Uh, he's kind of seen as a um, mysterious, you know, you know, character early on that we don't we don't hear a lot, a lot from. Um, but then I think as the as the novel kind of you know wraps up uh, or at least you know winds down uh, page wise, uh, <laughs> we find out that he that he was. Um, that there was a lot more there than just him being kind of this this weirdo uh, alcoholic, uh, enigmatic oh, yeah. uh, film director, um, and so 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 he was somebody. Yeah, he was somebody that I was really really kind of drawn to. Um, in addition to kind of all the violence that's in the novel, uh, there's such you know, yeah, uh, there. you know all the scenes with lens killing the animals, um, um, the way himself uh, kills himself, uh, the way Joel's mom. Uh, uh, commit suicide. Um, you know, uh, there's oh, just yeah. there's just so much violence. Uh, Garbage in, disposal. Uh, novel. Man. Yeah, it was a pretty gruesome scene, and and the scene where the, uh, Avril's dog dies. Oh. At, uh, yeah, and getting his canine affairs in order, uh, and yeah. so it was pretty 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 tough. So, uh, anyone have a final thought about um, this experience that you've had? Uh, like a kind of a huge takeaway, an interesting takeaway. Or uh, from you, Josh, like if you taught this course again, what might you do differently? Or Yeah, definitely. So um, I re- when I first learned about Wallace through his Kenyan speech, and that really, uh, that really like touched me. I really, I really could relate to it because through all like the consciousness kind of uh, getting outside of yourself and really considering uh, the perspectives of other people before you, before you consider this perspective of yourself. Um, it's very easy, like Wallace says, to uh, think, consider yourself as the center of the universe and always uh, everybody else has it out for you and nobody else has any problems. Like all, all, all your problems are super important, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's basically what I got most out of it. And um, I really apply it to my daily life. It's almost like meditation, like really thinking, yeah. taking a step back, thinking about uh, like how I'm living, how other people are living and figuring out uh, what – yeah. So anyway, consciousness is really, really important to me, especially uh, considering Wallace. That's cool. So like that was like your starting point, the thing that hooked you about Wallace. And then having done this entire course and reading like a massive amount of what Wallace wrote, that's still your takeaway? Yeah, exactly. That's cool. I like that. Uh, For me, I I think Wallace's work with empathy uh, really touched me um, as a fiction writer, the way he's able to... 
the way he's able to inhabit um, different people's lives and sees complexity in in in, in people. Um, yeah, that's. Um, I guess for me, the big takeaway, I think a lot of um, his issues are really important, but I think the one that stands out for me the most is acceptance and like denial. Um, I think he he deals a lot with accepting who people are and who you are and what you're doing. And, and I think that's something that's really tough to deal with in a lot of situations because acceptance implies that you're sort of opening up to people and that's not the easiest thing to do all the time. And I think that Wallace himself had a lot of um, struggles with that. And I think it, it shows a lot in his works. And I think that makes him very relatable as a person and as like an author. And that makes his characters more relatable as well. So I would definitely say that acceptance and denial is like something really major. Hmm. Uh, for me, it would definitely be this idea of balance and sort of reconciliation between um, these extremes. Wallace in Infinite Jest a lot presents these sort of extreme situations, whether it's, you know, extreme, just terrible violence or extreme characters or um, extremely sort of nice and sincere characters like Mario. So trying to find that sort of balance in life and um, maybe even accepting the fact that sometimes there isn't a balance and there isn't a way that you're going to be able to find um, a sort of center in between, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, the craziness of everyday life and everyday scenarios. So, you know, and, and you know, the, the balance of living consciously, but not so consciously that you're just paralyzed. So um, that's really, that was my biggest takeaway from Wallace was balance. <laughs> For me, uh, I think if I, you know, teaching the class again, um, you know, not to sound cheesy, but one of the first things that I would say is uh, things that I would do differently. Um, I would, I would want to have, you know, uh, these folks back, you know, like the, to have the, the six of us. Uh, it's to go through this whole thing was was a pretty significant um, uh, uh, experience, you know. Uh, it's it was a hell of a lot of work, and everybody did the work. And here it is, Friday, the last uh, the last day of class at, at you know seven o'clock now, where uh, people are out at bars, and and yet here we are sitting here talking about Wallace. And so, um, so that was that's pretty significant to me that um, that that they dedicated themselves this much to this work. Um, from a from a teaching standpoint. I guess part of me wants to say I would take some stuff off the syllabus, but don't ask me what, um, because I, you know, uh, I want to I want to keep everything on there. So maybe you know, having more supplemental classes, building supplemental classes into into the curriculum. Uh, I'm not sure I could get away with that, but um, uh, figuring out some writing assignments, uh, some different kind of you know engaging writing assignments, but being able to balance that with all of the um, with all of the reading. There's just there's just way too damn much, uh, and so it's figuring out how to do that without driving everybody uh without driving everybody crazy i guess would be the way that i would um rethink the class in -hmm. some ways awesome yeah i think the thing that i took away from this class was definitely the kind of the relationships that were built in here and just the environment of coming and meeting into this office you know three hours um once a week and kind of creating these relationships with these people and working through all of this work that wallace has for us (laughs) um we're we're reading so much stuff about loneliness, and it somehow brought us together, which I think is an incredible thing for an author to do mm-hmm. um, when you're dealing with such dark stuff and you're dealing about l- working through issues on your own and we're able to come together as a community and kind of work through these things and you start developing these relationships with people and you know yeah, I'd imagine see... going through everything you guys have gone through together, you probably know each other pretty well, yeah, <laughs> at this point. The kinds of themes and topics that you've been dealing with have probably, like, you know, they're very personal. And so I can just imagine that it'd be, like, a very rich 
rich community experience. Yeah, I've definitely discovered a sense of community just being in this class and working with Wallace's uh, stuff. And I'll see people from our class on campus now and we're waving our hands in the air and saying hello. And it's such a different relationship that we have with people in this class compared to relationships I've developed with people in other classes. Hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with just the human quality of Wallace's work. And it's just everything he's talking about is just very human and we're able to all connect in our own ways on these issues so it's been a really good experience that way yeah awesome that's a great final thought right there all right we want to thank you guys for coming on i want to give a special yeah, thanks for having you know, us shout out and thank you to each one of you atticus derek taylor emily alex and professor josh of course uh we really appreciate you guys being on the show and coming on here and sharing your thoughts. When we post this on our on our website, we will link to um, your class website if it's ready, and your Twitter profiles if you want, or anything else from your class. Syllabus. Yeah. We've had a great, you know, hour like your typical class. It sounds like it runs over, so <laughs> we've run over a little bit. It would be so easy to keep talking for another hour or two as well. If if you want, we can have a supplemental class on Monday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Episode uh, 14.5. You know. I, awesome. I love it. Um, yeah. I got to ask, is anyone planning to come to the uh, Wallace Conference in Illinois this summer? Having now done this big, big long when, thing. When is that? Is that in, that's in July this time, this year, right? It's in yeah, late July. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I'm not going to be able to make 29th. it this year. And we, you know, we talked about it, but I don't think anybody... That's too bad. Anybody's going to, yeah, we're not going to be able to do it this year. But it'd be cool to do something next year to bring everybody back next year um, and and get together and kind of uh, re- redo it again uh, and, and talk, you know, talk <laughs> about the class again in that setting and, and meet everybody. Cool. Like a, like a class sort of reunion a year later and then reflecting yeah. on the experience of the course and having had some distance from it. That'd be really interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure logistically how we could do it, but uh, but it would be kind of cool. Thank you guys so much again for coming on. We've had a blast talking to you. Well, thanks again for having us. It's, it was great. I've really enjoyed it. And I like I said, I could go for another whole class supplemental, no problem. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep that in mind for sure. <laughs> awesome. So we'll post all those links and things in the show notes. Uh, Matt, where can people get in touch with us? Well, before I give our contact info, I want to give a shout out to a couple of listeners who wrote in in the last episode. And that's uh, Paul Lopriato, John Henry, Alex Donnelly, Dean Jones, and Mark Bronner. And if you want to email us about anything in the past uh, or the current or the present or the future, we are concavityshow at gmail.com. Or you can hit us on Twitter or and Instagram at concavityshow. And our website is greatconcavity.podbean.com, but you can get our podcast from any podcasting app or iTunes store. So thanks to all of our listeners. We couldn't do it without you. We've really enjoyed this particular episode, and we will see you next time on the other side. Mama Cita.